So you can probably tell from this morning's singing and dancing and energy and rap that this past week was CVBS. That's Community Vacation Bible School. And that's a program where we partner with eight other churches to put on 40 different vacation Bible schools and houses and front yards and backyards and parks all over three counties and in many sites and in a couple sites in the world. And later this summer in um, a couple um, acts... Hildeborg Center and Axe Centers. Um, there will be in total from the sites in our county, from the sites in Stafford County, from the sites in Fairfax County and Falls Church, from the sites in parks and around the world and in nursing homes, over a thousand children that hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, that hear that they are loved by the God who created the universe. Which, when I think about this church that Jesus dreamed up, when I think about Jesus' prayer that we would all be one as He and the Father are one, I think it looks like eight churches coming together to spread the gospel to a thousand kids. And we pray. We pray this week that the work begun in these children and in their families will be brought to completion by the God whose grace never lets us go. It's a God and a grace that we are going to talk about and celebrate this morning and frankly every morning. <laughs> now my earliest memories of Vacation Bible School involved writing on a whiteboard in permanent marker. <laughs> Sorry mom. My mom was setting up her room. She was a Bible school teacher, and my brother and I were, um, and, and a friend of ours were watching a movie and waiting with her as she got it set up. And we started to um, get into a bit of trouble. Sorry, Messiah UMC trustees. I swear that the marker said dry erase on it, but it wouldn't come off. But I remember being in vacation Bible school every year as a child. I remember volunteering with VBS in high school and in college. And when I felt a call to ministry and started looking back on my life, I remembered a couple moments in VBS when I began asking questions and talking and thinking a bit weirdly, a bit differently from my peers, and saw that there, my, the roots of my calling were beginning even there. So VBS is a big part of my story of faith, and it will be a big part of the stories of faith of each of the children wearing those awesome blue shirts and countless others that we won't see here today. Now, if you had to reduce the gospel to five sentences, what would you say? If you had to reduce our faith to five phrases, what would they be? If you had to reduce the grand story of Scripture to ten words... What would those words be? This past week, our children learned the following. God rules. We sinned. God provided. Jesus gives. We respond. That was the, the gospel distilled into five phrases, and each phrase served as a theme for the day's lesson. And taken together, I think it's... Pretty good Cliff's Notes of the Gospel, if you ask me. Most of us gathered here for worship have no trouble with the first four. We know that there is a God, an amazing, all-powerful, awesome Creator God. This God made everything there is from the largest star to the tiniest quantum particle. This God ordered the universe. 
And this God has made himself known to us through creation and through covenant. However, our response to this faithful God was to be unfaithful ourselves. We have sinned, we have hurt God, and we have hurt each other. Or as the kids say, sin messed everything up, everything up. Oh no! Oh no is right. <laughs> Our desires are distorted and oftentimes instead of seeking the blessings of God or others, we seek to satisfy our own wants. However, this is not the end of our story. Instead of leaving us to our own devices, God joins us where we are and comes into the middle of our mess. God tries to lead us in the way of righteousness, and then when that doesn't work, when that does not sort us out completely, Jesus gives his life to reestablish and restore our relationship with God. Through the life, death, and resurrection of God, we have new lives as children of the living God. Or as Paul puts it, once we were no people, but now... We are God's people. This is what our God has done for us, and this is why we are here today. But yet there's still one more part to that. There's still one more phrase. There's still one more day of VBS, if you will. There's still one more part of the way of discipleship. You see, it's easy to give assent to a gospel that says, God gives, we sin, Jesus saves. That is mostly about us being who we are and God doing things on our behalf. Where we stumble is on knowing what to do next. Where we get tripped up is in what happens after Jesus saves us. What do we do? Even if we want to respond, it can so often be hard to know what responding looks like. Now don't get me wrong. We're here today in an attempt to respond to what God has done in our lives. Coming to church, coming to worship, that's our response to what God is doing. But what else are we to do? It feels like there should be something more. It feels like our response to what God has done, making us his people, should require more of us than one hour a week. And yet, what does that response entail? We're not the first to have this question. We're not the first to wonder what we should do in light of God's mighty acts in Jesus Christ. There's this great story of the disciples in John's gospel after the crucifixion of Jesus and after the resurrection of Jesus that gets at this very question. So today we are going to be in John chapter 21. <clears throat> Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter... Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples 
followed in the boat toward the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to him, and did the same with the fish. So a quick bit of backstory before we dive into the text. This story is about the risen Jesus appearing to his disciples. But this is not the first time that the risen Jesus has appeared to his disciples. Jesus appeared to Mary on that first Easter Sunday and she told the rest of the group. Then Jesus appeared to the disciples, well, all of them except for Thomas. The disciples told Thomas and he, say it with me now, doubted. So Jesus appeared to all of the disciples, this time including Thomas. And then John tells us that Jesus did many more signs and miracles and wonders that are not mentioned in this book, because if they were mentioned in this book, the world could not hold all of the pages or all of the books. So ostensibly, the risen Jesus might have appeared to his disciples more times than even this, and we just don't have a record of it. And all of this happens in John before we get to our story this morning. So Jesus has appeared to either Mary or the disciples at least three times. They have this moving, powerful, world-shattering experience of the crucified and dead Jesus rising from the dead and appearing in their midst multiple times. And Jesus has spoken with them, taught with them, been with them, ate with them. And our story begins with the disciples going fishing. Why is this detail important? Well, we have a list of the disciples that were going and that, that were going fishing. The first person mentioned is Simon Peter. Another couple mentioned are the sons of Zebedee. And for those three, along with Peter's brother Andrew, before they were disciples of Jesus, they were fishermen. So even after Jesus appeared to them, showing that the cross and death did not have the final word, Peter means to go back to his own life, to his old life. He wants to go back to fishing. Jesus called him to be a fisher of men, but Peter wants to go back to being a fisher of fish. And this is so normal, isn't it? I know in my spiritual life there are countless times when I've had an amazing experience of grace, when I've been on a mission trip or a retreat, and come back knowing that my life is forever changed. And then before you know it, I'm right back to doing things the way I did before. Instead of going fishing for people, I've just gone back to fishing. This scripture lesson and this sermon are coming out of the Bible story lesson from day five of CVBS. Day four was about understanding that Jesus' death and resurrection restore and repair a relationship with God. The children each got an invitation from Jesus to be his friend. And it is incredibly important for Christians to tell that story to their children. Seeing ourselves as being redeemed by Christ, seeing our relationship with God restored is the central piece of the Christian faith. And yet it's imperative 
that we realize that our story doesn't end there. It is imperative that we understand there are additional parts to this. It is crucial that whether it is in teaching our children or in, in talking about it ourselves that we see our need to respond. Because it's so easy to see ourselves as children of God and stop there. It's so easy to experience the resurrection and stop there. It's what the disciples did. And it's what we can do too. So they go fishing and they don't have any luck. They're out there fishing all night and catch nothing. When all of a sudden they see a random guy on the shore who cries out to them, Hey, have you tried the other side of the boat? Which I just love. They've been out fishing all night and somebody says, did you try the other side? Uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> it sounds like a taunt to me, which is... But Peter tries it anyway, though I can't imagine his annoyance. And wouldn't you know, the stranger was right. That's where the fish were the whole time. More fish than the net could hold are caught. Now, the only way this makes sense, of course, is that the stranger was Jesus. They, they go over to Jesus, who eats breakfast with them, and then there's the following exchange between Jesus and Peter. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my lambs. Again Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Follow me. Now, there is a ton of imagery and allusion in this passage. Jesus asked Peter if Peter loves Jesus three times, just as, Jesus, just as Peter denied Jesus three times. He calls him Simon, perhaps because he's gone back to his old life as a fisherman, instead of Peter, the rock on which Jesus would build his church. Jesus talks about his sheep resuming the language that Jesus has used earlier in John of Jesus being the good shepherd. And we have this wonderful imagery that Jesus employs to talk about Peter's own crucifixion. But what I want to talk to you about is what's going on in this passage in the plain sense. Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? That's a question we are all asked as we come to see ourselves as children of God as we come to see ourselves as redeemed and restored people. God in Jesus Christ loves us. We in turn love God. But again, we have this nagging sense of what does that mean? What does that mean for our lives? What does that mean we should do? Peter has shown that he didn't know what that meant, that he wasn't sure what it meant. 
What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus apart from literally following Jesus around wherever he goes? Jesus gives Peter a command, and in it is the answer we seek. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus, or Peter is asked if he loves Jesus, and Jesus says, tend my sheep. A third time, Peter is asked, does he love Jesus? And Jesus says, feed my sheep. When we look at what it means to respond to Jesus, when we look at what it means to live out our relationship with God, how we do that is service. How we do that is service to the people Jesus loved so much that he served, loved so much that he healed, loved so much that he died for. How we do that is through serving our neighbors. That is why the end of our mission statement and the end of our discipleship process here at Spirit and Life is that we live lives of service. That's why here at Spirit and Life we encounter Jesus in worship and in small groups all directed to us serving our neighbor. We believe that responding to an encounter of Jesus, responding to meeting God in worship and growing deeper in our faith in small groups is for and about service. That is how we take what we do in here and let it have an impact out there. We had a great week at CVBS, if you couldn't tell. We had fun singing, we had fun dancing, we had fun playing games and making crafts. Sometimes they had fun in Bible. We asked the kids what their favorite part was every day, and every day I hoped one of them would say Bible story. I'm still hoping. We learned a lot about God and a lot about Jesus and a lot about our faith. The same thing is true for what we do here at Spirit and Life. I like to think we have a lot of fun in worship. I have a lot of fun in worship. I know there's a lot of fun that's had in small groups, and I know that there's a lot of deep learning and incredible connection both with God and with others that happen in this space for worship and in people's homes for small groups. But the disciples didn't learn from Jesus, worship Jesus, and then stay in their small band alone together. The end for them wasn't simply following Jesus. The end for them was following Jesus by serving the world. Similarly, the end for us is not just worshiping and being in relationship with God. The end for us is serving God all our lives through serving the world. Now we might ask, how do we serve the world? How do we, like Peter, feed and take care of Jesus' sheep? The genius of CVBS is that it allows kids to use their circle of influence to serve others and to introduce others to God. As a kid, your circle of influence are the kids who live near you. The kids you see in school. The ones you see at the pool. The ones you see at the library. The ones you see at the playground. When we put a CVBS in someone's front yard, we unleash these children to be missionaries in their neighborhoods and say, come have fun at my house for a week. And oh yeah, learn about this God who loves you and this Jesus who gave his life for you. Now I'm about to steal something that I saw my bishop do last week at annual conference. So if you watched the annual conference worship service and you think this sounds familiar, yes, I'm stealing it from her, but it's okay, she won't mind. What is your circle of influence? What, talk to me. What is your circle of influence? Your family. Where else? Workmates. Friends. Neighbors. Your small group. Your church. Paintball players. Paintball players. There we go. There we go. Let's get some, uh, 
some real world stuff in here. Who plays golf? Who goes out to the golf course? Who wishes they could play golf? <laughs> the barber shop, the hair salon, the grocery store. Where do you encounter people who need to know about Jesus? That's your circle of influence. The kids use theirs this week to tell others about Jesus. How can you use yours this week to tell others about Jesus? Those are your sheep. And you need to feed them with the very word of God. You need to give them the living water. You need to introduce them to Jesus. So grab some sunscreens and get out into your circle of influence. But there's a second dimension to service that's about taking what we do in here on Sunday mornings and have it directly impact the world out there. When I think about how what we do in here having an impact out there, I think about a Sunday in April when we package 10,000 meals to send abroad. I think about a young person spearheading a project to make 100 health kits to send to people who have had to flee their homes. I think about the Sundays we spent collecting things for CVBS as people brought in Capri Suns and Rice Krispie Treats for children they'll never meet. I think about countless times that we have participated in the Feed My Sheep program and fed homeless people in our community. And it's when we do those things that what we do in here isn't just confined to this space. It isn't just confined to this day. It isn't just confined to this hour. Suddenly that day, that hour becomes something bigger. If these children respond to God's love and God's working in their life, CVBS will be about something much bigger than one week and much more important than fun. If these children respond to God and become disciples serving in our world, then CVBS will be something bigger. And I want to show these children how we can turn CV, CVBS into something bigger. I want to show these children how we can turn one week of their lives and make it about something much more. I want to challenge all of us here to respond to God's love and to show our children how to respond to God's love. I want us in the next couple of weeks to collect one can of food for every child that attended CVBS so that we can donate to Axe Food Pantry. We'll start with just the ones that attended this week in our county. It's over 600 kids. I want us to get, collect over 600 cans of food that we can donate to Axe Food Pantry. Now some of y'all might be thinking, haven't we been collecting things for a long time now? When are we going to stop collecting things? And I'll tell you what, when the kingdom of God comes in and there's no one that's hungry and there's no one that's thirsty and there's no one that's in need of shelter and there's no one that's in need of clothing, that's when we'll stop collecting things. So on the Axe website, they say they're in desperate need of canned vegetables, canned fruits, canned beans, canned tomato sauce, and canned soup. A lot of cans. So we're going to go out and we're going to get over 600 cans and we're going to donate one can of food to Axe Food Pantry for every child that participated in Prince William County Community Vacation Bible School. Will you do that with me? Will you respond to God's love and serve the world with me? Will you show our children how we are to respond to God's love? Let's pray. Almighty and all-loving God, you have showered hundreds of children in this county with your love and grace this week. They have been told an amazing story of an amazing God and an amazing love. 
that claims us and won't let us go and will go to the ends of the earth in order to reach us. God, may the work begun in these children be brought to completion. May they grow up to be your servants in the world. May they grow up to be your children in the world. May they grow up to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ. God, we're all here today and we want to serve. We want to serve our world. We want to shine like stars, radiating your love and grace in real, tangible ways in this world. Help us to follow you. Help us to serve you. And help us to serve our neighbors. Help us to in use our circle of influence. Help us to use, the, to, to use our orbits to help claim more and more people in this county for you and for your love and for your grace. God, you're doing something great in our community. You're doing something great in our county. You're, you've been doing something great in our world. Help us to be a part of it, God. Let us be a part of it so that the work you have begun in us may be brought to completion. All this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.